This is the reality. Hello to you. Yes, indeed. Welcome to The Reality. It's Dudley Anderson here. Really good to be with you once again, sharing the story of a life changed for the good, for good, by the reality of Christ. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. You can find out more at surereality.net or drop me an email at dudley at surereality.net. Mark Greenwood has been a full-time itinerant evangelist since 1988. During this time, he also served part-time on the ministry of two churches, helping them to create an evangelism culture and pattern. He is known as the evangelist who presents the gospel in a humorous and engaging way. Mark makes it clear that not all people respond instantaneously to the gospel message. With many, it's a process. He says making a decision to believe in God through Jesus Christ could be a big yes, a little yes, or a healthy maybe. So I've always believed conversion is not just a momentary decision. I think people need to understand that Christianity is not just true, but it's reasonable and true. And often our evangelism, we've only postured in the true rather than showing that it's reasonable. And so a big yes, little yes, healthy maybe is a recognition of what most people travel through, actually. A little yes is about making an intentional decision to find out more. Healthy maybe is about making a decision to remain open-minded about the Christian faith. And then the big yes is about people becoming Christians, saying a big yes to God. Mark Greenwood inspires and equips Christians to feel that they can share their faith and not simply that they must share their faith. Join me now as we speak with evangelist Mark Greenwood via Skype today on The Reality. It was my pleasure to speak to evangelist Mark Greenwood on Skype today. Thank you so much for joining us, Uh, Mark. We're going to be talking about your life and work. You are an evangelist. You preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus, which by direct implication implies you know Jesus as Lord and Savior in your own life. How did you come to know Christ as your Savior? Yeah, well, first of all, Dudley, it's lovely to be with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not from a Christian or religious family. In fact, my mum went to a very uh, traditional religious school where it was kind of drummed into you really strictly. And so that kind of put her off anything to do with with Christianity, although I think she still believed in God. My uh, parents split up when I was young, remarried, and the new dad classed himself as a lazy atheist, which I think is just brilliant what he meant by that was. <laughs> he decided there was no God, but he couldn't really be bothered to find out whether it was true or not, which I think is oh. a very honest uh, appraisal of who he was. Oh. For me, I was kind of brought up in that context. I, I think I probably always believed there was a God. Well, no, I don't think I, I did always believe there was a God, but... I didn't really realize the significance of it or that it was more than just believing in in this this God person, God character. And all that changed when a gentleman by the name of Brian Hardacre came and knocked on the door of our home. I'd been grounded, Dudley, for six weeks. Can you believe that? I mean, I'm not willing to tell you what it was for. I was going to ask, yes. All right. (laughs) I'm so sorry that's ruining your interview now. <laughs> there you go ahead. <laughs> but it is something I kind of, yeah, wished, wished I'd not done. But be that as it may, um, about halfway through that, 
this guy by the name of Brian Hardecker, who interestingly, Dudley, had only a few days previous to this moment become a Christian himself. And uh, they were out doing some door-to-door evangelism and it had been a really hard night. Nobody had been really interesting, uh, interested rather in, in having any conversations. And Godfrey, the minister of the church, the Elim Church in Bradford, said, not wanting a, a new Christian to be discouraged, he said, come on, let's, let's go home. And Brian said, no, let's knock one more door, but this time let me have a go. So uh, Brian knocked the door. That was our home. Mm. My dad opened up the door and Brian stood there with a massive smile on his face and said, what What do you think about life after death? <laughs> and that was uh, not the normal question you might ask somebody. Um, but certainly for my dad, it was very, very key question because only a couple of years previous, he'd lost his best friend uh, uh, um, to a heart attack. He was a subaqua diver. They were both diving. He had mm. a heart attack, lost his best friend. And, oh. and so found himself asking this question, there has to be more to life than this. And so when Brian came along, it was a very apt question. And that set us off on a journey, which in a relatively short period of time, found us as a family, giving our lives to Jesus. So, uh, yeah, and then we all got baptized together. Fantastic. That was lovely. Wow. So what age were you at that, that stage? Yeah, I was um, about 10 years old, 11 Great. years old, something like that. Yeah, around that sort of wow. age. Fantastic! What an amazing story, uh, and and then uh, you you started serving Jesus. Obviously, went through school and uh, and uh, yeah. education. How did you get the call of God upon your life to be an evangelist? It's very interesting and very fascinating how that happened. Actually, I I'd always well ever since I've become a Christian, I'd, I'd felt for quite some time that I was going to be going into full-time ministry. I, I didn't know what that looked like, um, if I'm honest. Um, I, but it was quite clear to my minister that um, I had definitely, definitely had more of a calling to be an evangelist than a pastor. And that got really shaped up when um, I'd had... The only way I can explain it was a very um, clear vision of of hell really and it and it hmm. absolutely broke me um and i wept bitterly and, and my pastor as a re result of that said mark i really believe god's calling you to be an evangelist but the truth is i i i definitely been having lots of opportunities along those lines hmm. and and found myself in lots of evangelistic contexts so that was really how it kind of shaped up mm -hmm. you know we often think about pastors being very um caring loving people that love people but you know just yeah. as you're speaking um mark as an evangelist you must have a deep love for people and not just christian folk but people in the world who are lost does this fuel your your ministry it really does i mean i, I think anyway i'm uh, probably as extreme an extrovert as you're going to meet as we are recording. We're in lockdown. And mm. personally, I've struggled quite a lot in lockdown because I've not been with people in the way that I have spent 30-odd years of my life doing. So, mm. I, yeah, I, people are my thing. I absolutely – I'm fascinated. I'm intrigued. I dearly love people. Um, and I think, I think that's – yeah, I think that's definitely a fuel for – telling people about Jesus because I just look at people and um, I find myself wondering what their lives are like 
find myself almost imagining what their lives must be like and feel quite concerned and quite moved for them. So, yeah, and in fact, going back to that that image that I mentioned that I saw, my my own pastor said to me, Mark, it's, it's clear to me that God's given you a passion and compassion mm. yeah. for people. So I think that's definitely, yeah, whilst I've always been an expert and enjoyed being around people, I think since that moment, something deep, deep, deep happened in me, really. Mm. Well, the scripture's plain, for God so loved the world, the love of God Absolutely. motivated the cross of Jesus indeed. Now, mm. um, Mark, you mentioned a minute ago that uh, your father was an atheist, as you said, a lazy atheist. Yeah. Uh, but I ask yes. you, um, as, as an evangelist and, and perhaps even me as an average Christian guy, yeah. how, how do we present the gospel to somebody who totally does not believe in God, that there is no God? A really good question. I, I think what I would say is a general principle needs to be employed with whoever we're sharing the gospel. And the outworking of this principle will will vary in terms of who you're sharing it with, but the general principle will be true of whoever you're sharing it with. So I'll answer it generally and then go into the specific. Mm-hmm. I think one of the mistakes that we make, um, particularly those who are from um, a more sort of charismatic Pentecostal um, persuasion uh, w- where we tend to be people are, that are real activists and praying it, do it now, Lord, do it now, Lord. We're not very patient people. And I think sometimes we can apply that to our evangelism. So we get an opportunity and we feel we've got to like preach the whole gospel to ev- to, to the person and just give them everything. Mm. And, and actually what's happening is we're not really communicating anything well. We, we might have done a tick box tick box exercise like oh i've i've done this or i've done that and i've said this and i've said that but have we really communicated meaningfully have we engaged in conversation have we have we contextualized the gospel so we started at the right point of the gospel narrative for that person or have we just defaulted to a kind of chronological presentation Mm. of the gospel and by that i mean starting with adam's sin and, mm. and, and and finishing with, you know, saying yes to Jesus rather than, you know. So I'll give you an example. If I'm talking to somebody who's racked with guilt, it's it's daft me starting, reminding them that, not that I'd ever use it, these words quite like this, but it's daft me saying, reminding them of their sin, which is only going to enforce any guilt. Better to start with talking about the fact that Jesus sets us free from guilt. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean we don't mention the sin. Of course we do, but it's that starting point. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So for me, that's the, that's the general principle is whoever we're talking to, what's the starting point for, for the conversation for that person? So that's the, the general principle. And so for me, the starting point for an atheist has to be I would always want to go on a on a journey to say, well, is it possible that there is a God? Mm. You know, and saying to them, well, what's brought you to the place? You, you're saying all the evidence suggests, which often atheists do, all the evidence suggests. What what evidence would that be? So I'm always I'm always putting questions back mm. on people just to. The, the best illustration I've got is. My my daughter's just doing her GCSEs and she's doing maths. And so I checked this out with her several times. When I was at school, my teacher used to say to me, when it comes to maths, 
show me you're working out because even if you get the answer wrong, I'll give you points for your working out. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that we show anybody, but specifically atheists, show them our working out. Mm -hmm. they, they, they might disagree with our conclusion, but if we think about it and show them that we've thought about it rather than just preaching at them, then I think that's going to that's gonna garner us a, a lot more warmth and a lot more journey mm -hmm. with people. Mm. You're, you're very popular for the expression big yes, little yes, and healthy maybe. What is that all yes, about? Yes, right, yes. What is that about? Yeah, for many, many years, partly informed by some of the reasoning behind what I've just chatted about with you there, but I, I, my passion and heart as an evangelist is to work long-term with churches equipping them and helping them to understand the process behind which a person comes to faith rather than turning up preaching and then moving on to another another church and so i've always believed that um conversion is not not just a momentary decision though there are momentary decisions in that but actually for the vast majority of people they've they've gone on a journey and partly informed by that lovely scripture in in acts where you know saul or paul as he was in fact there was sharing his testimony with king agrippa and uh, festus is not happy he shouts out paul you're out of your mind hmm. and paul says something really lovely he says i'm not out of my mind what i'm saying is reasonable and true so first point there is i think people need to understand that christianity is not just true but it's reasonable and true and often our evangelism we've only we've only postured in the true rather than showing that it's reasonable. Mm. That's the first thing. But then the second thing is Paul's response to King Agrippa, where King Agrippa says, do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to become a Christian? And Paul's response is wonderful. He says, short time or long. I pray that you and all those here listening will become as I am, mm. except for these chains. And if you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, I haven't got time to go into it uh, too much right now, um, in, in the book that I've written, Big Yes, Look, Yes, Healthy, maybe I unpack it more. But I think if you look at the life of Paul or Saul as he was at the point of his conversion, he had more of a journey than we think he did. And we tend to associate him with almost like this one overnight sensation. But actually, if you understand anything of Saul's conversion, it, it was definitely a journey. And actually, the, the early church tended to work on the basis of a journey. Come, come and spend several years with us. Watch how we behave, how we worship, ask us why we believe what we believe, and then make a decision. And so a big yes, little yes, healthy maybe is a recognition of what most people travel through, actually. That being that they need to arrive at a place where they think there may be something in this faith or there may be a God, and that causes them to mm. investigate. So... A little yes is about making an intentional decision to find out more, to investigate. Healthy maybe is about becoming or make, making a decision to remain open-minded about the Christian faith. And then the big yes is about people becoming Christians, saying a big yes to God. Mm. And so it's it's all informed by this decision. And what's been remarkable, Dudley, is when, I've, when I use that, I have loads of people who aren't Christians saying to me, I'm definitely a healthy maybe or I'm definitely a little yes. And so I find there's power in a person recognizing where they are. So that's big yes, little yes, healthy maybe was birthed in an appeal moment, actually. And it was a really powerful moment and been something that I've managed to engage with lots of people who aren't Christians. 
Fantastic. Very intriguing indeed. Uh, Mark, we've been chatting a few minutes. Um, We're going to take a little break and be back after this. You're listening to The Reality, produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. We depend on the generous gifts of our listener to produce this program. You can help reach millions of folks with the sure reality of the message of Jesus by becoming a Sure Reality Vision Partner. To partner with us, please visit the website surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. You are listening to The Reality, a half-hour talk show talking about the sure reality of Jesus Christ. I'm Dudley Anderson, and it's really good to have your company. Just to remind you that I do appreciate emails very much indeed. Perhaps you've been listening in and you have some questions. We'd love to answer those questions or perhaps pray with you. Please send me an email, Dudley, that is D-U-D-L-E-Y, at surereality.net. Email me, Dudley, at surereality.net. Well, today on The Reality, we're speaking with evangelist Mark Greenwood. Mark has shared how he grew up in a home with a mother who rejected the Christian faith as tedious and a father who was, as he puts it, a lazy atheist. But God had a plan for this family. One day, as a last-ditch attempt at a door-to-door evangelism, some men knocked on their home door and shared the message of Christ with Mark's family. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, together with a generation of faith by God's Word, changed this family from lazy atheists into passionate believers. Mark sensed the call of God into the ministry of evangelism. Through his experience of people's response to the gospel, Mark found out that some folks respond instantly to the message of faith, and these he calls the big yes. Others agree with the gospel but want to find out a little bit more before making a response. These he calls the little yes group. Still other folk hear the gospel, but they don't respond positively straight away, and they plan to remain open-minded to the message of faith. These he calls the healthy maybe group. The key to all evangelism is prayer. In each case, the evangelist commits to pray for the evangelized. Let's pick up our chat once again with evangelist Mark Greenwood on The Reality. Speaking to Mark Greenwood, evangelist uh, with the Elam Group of Churches in Great Britain uh, on Skype today. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your own uh, walk of faith and how um, uh, preaching the gospel, or rather responding to the gospel, let's say, isn't always just an instant yes. It's a gradual process in many people's lives. And, you know, I put my hand up quickly. It was in my life. I became a Christian at the age of nine. Uh, But um, it was a gradual process indeed. Fascinating stuff. But Mark, preaching the gospel out in the streets, Mm -hmm. preaching the gospel in churches, in campaigns, I'm sure you've got some interesting or funny stories that have happened to you. Can you tell us one? Yes, certainly. I mean, there's been there's been any number of um, slip ups of words. Some of them more embarrassing than I <laughs> than I care to mention yeah. uh, or even should mention. So there's there's definitely been um, a load of those. But I, probably probably the funniest one, um, just off the top of my head, I was actually I was actually filming something. And the subject was um, believing in a God you can't see. And we were kind of doing it on location just to give it a little bit more of a sort of dynamism to it. Mm. And um, 
so I was being filmed. I was recording it. It was actually in Loughborough University um, in, in the area where that is. Loughborough is in the Midlands of the UK. For people who maybe listen to this who are not familiar with the geography, it's in the east part of the middle of the UK. And um, so I was... I was waxing lyrical, Dudley, about, you know, believing in something you can't see. And, and I had to know there was a student on his bicycle mm-hmm. and um, he, he was cycling along and he was, he was transfixed on, uh, he, he couldn't hear what we were doing, but he was transfixed on the fact that there were two cameras and I was, I was actually in a tree. So he was transfixed, as you might <laughs> understand. It's in not every day you see two cameras you know, tra- trained on a, on a, on a man up a tree, is it? So you could understand. <laughs> Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus. Sorry, Zacchaeus comes to mind, yes? Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, I never thought about that. Maybe, maybe we missed the opportunity for the biblical <laughs> story there. Um, so this gentleman was on his bike, a student, just, and he was, as he was sort of passing by where we were filming, he, he, was, he was watching us and then he got beyond where we were, but he was still watching us. But it, meanwhile, going forward on his bike, and and rather, I mean, he didn't hurt himself, but he did cycle right into the back of a car <laughs> and just kind of somersaulted. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm not going to lie, Dudley. It's very tricky not laughing when you see those sorts of things happening. <laughs> so, so we we made sure he was okay, and then we carried on. But yeah, yeah, that was hilarious. But the irony of it being believing in a god you can't see, and he hit a car he couldn't see. So yeah, that probably one of the funniest things. I did have to take a little break because I don't. <laughs> Do you ever replay those things in your mind and they just give you that kind of yeah. chuckle factor <laughs> where you can, the minute you try again to film something, yes. you just keep replaying <laughs> it in your mind. So, yeah, that's probably, it's it's, it's got to be up there as one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I, can imagine. I would have fallen out of that tree, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a great opportunity, as you say, you know, uh, things happen Absolutely. in life that you don't see when they come along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We went wow. up to him and said, what, what were you doing? And he said I was watching what you were doing. I said you might have been better watching what you were doing. To be honest with you, but yeah, he was okay. Thankfully, we did, we did, all had a chuckle about it. You didn't lead him to the Lord there and then, did you? No, sadly not. Sadly not. I failed miserably. <laughs> I think he might have been a healthy maybe though. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, pray for him, Lord, wherever he may be. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of which, Mark, what place is prayer in evangelism? Oh. It's absolutely crucial. In, in fact, really, for me, if, if two things are meant to exist together simultaneously, it's prayer and evangelism. And I think, I think there is a temptation. We, we can do lots of praying, but no evangelism, and, and that's going to be ineffective. We can do lots of evangelism, but with no praying, and that, that's not going to be as effective as it could be. Mm. But fusing prayer and evangelism together is surely that's i don't even want to say there's a phrase called two sides of the same coin i don't know if you're familiar with that phrase mm-hmm. and the influence behind it is it's it's not it, they're not two things working together they are the same thing but with different elements and for me i i think i see i see it as that that prayer and evangelism are two elements of the same 
thing rather than just fusing two things together. Mm-hmm. I have a good friend, in fact, who tells the story um, that he wasn't a Christian and uh, there was an old man <laughs> in uh, the block of flats in which he lived upstairs from where he was. And every time Tom went out, uh, the old man would stick his head out the window and say, I'm praying for you, my, my young friend, I'm praying for you. Yes. And years later, Tom became a Christian, went back to this old man, yeah. knocked on the door and he said, um, whatever his name is, uh, you know, I, I've become a Christian. The old man yeah. turned on his heels, ran back inside the flat, came back with a little notepad and ticked Tom's name off his list. Yeah. Prayer, wow. prayer evangelism. It's powerful. Yeah. So, so uh, Mark, what a great stories, what great entertainment uh, that you must have preaching the gospel. And indeed, uh, the gospel isn't just some humdrum um, theoretical experience. It's life in yeah. itself. In the last yes. few minutes that we have together, Evangelist Mark Greenwood, what is the message of the cross of Jesus? For me, it's best summed up in 2 Corinthians 5, where it says that God has committed to us, and the original Greek literally means placed in our hands. God has placed in our hands this message and ministry of reconciliation. And I, and I think the cross is all about reconciliation. Of course, first and foremost, reconciling people with God, but the power of the cross means that people can also be reconciled with each other, with people as well. And I think, again, those are brought beautifully together when Jesus says the two commandments are this, to love God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind, and to love your neighbour as yourself. So for me, if I was to sum up in one word what the cross, the message of the cross is really all about, it's reconciliation. And God loved the world, and uh, in this, uh, that while we'll be yet sinners, Christ died yeah. for us. So maybe just perhaps somebody's listening up today, and uh, they are a healthy maybe, Mark. Yes. What's next for him or her? Yeah, 100%. I had this conversation with a, with a lady a number of years ago, and I was introducing her to the concept of big yes, yes healthy maybe. And I simply said to her, where would you put yourself? And she said, I'm definitely a healthy maybe. And I said, what would stop you becoming a little yes? And she she thought for a moment and said, I think probably I just don't know how to do it. And I said to her, I think I can help you. And so what I would say, if there's somebody listening today and are a healthy maybe, they're open-minded, then why not make contact with us? And, and let's find out what stops you as an individual moving forward in, in beginning to think about the Christian faith. And let's have a conversation about it. I think that would probably be the, the next best thing. Yes, indeed. Or perhaps uh, find a local church or a, or a Christian Very friend so. that, that you know and ask those honest questions. Yes? Yeah, Fantastic. Definitely. Mark Greenwood, thank you so much for joining us today on The Reality. We pray God's richest blessing on your ministry. May you see you. thousands of people responding to the gospel through Amen. your work. Thank you for joining us. So we've been speaking to evangelist Mark Greenwood today on The Reality. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 to 21 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. 
we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God has reconciled us to himself through the work of Jesus upon the cross. For the Bible says we've all been separated from God through this act of sin. We need to be reconciled, therefore, to that goodness of God. And God did it by sending Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, that is God himself in the flesh, to reconcile us to God the Father. You see, God made him who had no sin, it says, to be sin for us, that in him we could become the righteousness of God. And that's what it means to become a new creation in Jesus Christ. God has given you and me, Christian, that duty of being ambassadors of God for reconciliation. If you'd like to know more, please send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Dudley at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. Do consider partnering with us at the website surereality.net. From me to you, as always, keep your eyes on Jesus and walk in the sure reality of Christ. Sure Reality.